Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of the Vavil UK podcast. Today we will be focusing on League Two. Football is back. Forget the Premier League, we don't care about that. The League Two playoffs begin today and James, we are really excited about this show, aren't we? Very excited, Cal. In the podcast today, we'll be building up to Exeter versus Colchester with Stuart James, Exeter fan and digital sports editor for Zevon Live and Colchester fan Harry Squires. And later on, we'll be joined by Cheltenham Town journalist Mark Halliwell and Charles from the It's Always Cobblers to Me podcast. All that and more later on in the show. Thank you for tuning in to our latest podcast. If you've missed our previous episodes, don't worry, you can catch up on Spotify, Acast or iTunes. Just type in Vavil EFL Podcast. So today, it is the moment that all EFL fans have been waiting for. It's the start of the League Two playoffs. Thank you so much to both Harry and Stuart for joining us. Harry, you're a Trollchester fan. Stuart, Exeter. First off, Stuart, how do you expect this one to go tomorrow? Oh, I think your guess is as good as mine, really. Um, you know, it's been 12 weeks of inactivity, really. Um, form has completely gone out the window. No one knows who's in form, who's playing well, who's not playing well. It's it's just a complete lottery. I mean, the playoffs are a lottery at the best of times, but given the circumstances we're in, I think it's even more of an unknown what's going to happen the next in the next few days. So uh, to answer your question, I've got absolutely no idea whatsoever. And Harry, how are you feeling about the the game coming up, how's the nerves? Uh, it's a bit of a weird one, to be honest, because it's either you're, you're nervous and you're excited at the same time. It's going to be weird behind closed doors, but I'm expecting a tight game. It's two evenly matched sides, like two teams to play the same kind of football, so it'll be a good game, hopefully. Stuart, you've just mentioned there about the playoffs being somewhat of a lottery. That's something that Exeter fans, unfortunately, know all too well, losing two of the last three playoff finals, missing out on the playoffs last season by a point. Surely they do one. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> um, yeah, two years, uh, three years ago, we lost to Blackpool in the final after beating Carlisle in the semis. And beating Carlisle in the in the semi-final was one of the real highlights of being an Exeter fan, really. It was such an incredible game. And then to win it in the style we did, where we were 2-0 up with 10 minutes to go, Carlisle brought it back to two each. And then our right back smacks one into the top corner from 25 yards in stoppage time to send us to Wembley. It was, you know, one of the great nights at St. James's Park. The following year, we lost to uh, Coventry in the final. And then, as you say, last year, we missed out on the last day of the season, having failed to win away at Forest Green. All we needed to do was to get a victory there and we would have been into the playoffs. But um, unfortunately, we only drew 0-0. So it's been three years of near misses, really. Hopefully, it's fourth time lucky. And... um... Stuart, again, the, the end of the season, uh, there was much debate over it. It went to points per game in the end. <laughs> I'm, I'm really not doing this on purpose, but you know, your rivals, Plymouth, ended up going up in, instead of you. Was that a little bit galling? Do you think you could have caught them? Yeah, I definitely think we could have caught them. I mean, we played them earlier on in the season and we smashed them 4-0 at St James's Park and completely played them off the field. So, uh, you know, I, 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 that was another disappointment about the league season finishing as it did because we had Plymouth, that was actually going to be our next game away at Home Park. And there was going to be a sellout crowd down at Plymouth, about 17,000. It was going to be live on Sky on a Monday night. So it would have been fantastic for the whole of, well, for Devon football, really, for people to see what it was all about and what this rivalry is about. Because the, the Exeter-Plymouth rivalry is quite an intense one. There's not much love lost between the two sets of supporters, that's for sure. And um, to see them going up as they did, it is slightly galling. And um, Harry, John McGreal has been in charge of Colchester for... Uh, three seasons now, 8th, 13th and 8th is his record. Like Exeter, 
he's been on the cusp of doing something, but it's never really materialised. Do you think that this is the season where he can finally take Colchester up? Well, hopefully, because we've had the we've had the great cup run this year, and last few seasons we've just missed out by a point, like the first season and then last season. Um, but hopefully, I think this season we've it's probably our best season so far. So hopefully, he can take us up. Yeah. And it's interesting you mentioned the cup run, um, Harry. You know, big big games, Manchester United away, obviously springs to mind. So the, the Colchester players they're gonna have that big match experience, aren't they? That could be pivotal in this tie. Yeah, I mean, we've already, yeah, we've had that this season. We've had to arise to the big occasion. So hopefully we're in the right set of mind to go and do it again tomorrow. And there's a good number of young players uh, coming through at Colchester, Harry. I um I seen you play Coventry City home and away a couple of seasons back and, and there was a good set of young lads coming through at the club. Do you think, obviously, players like Courtney Senior uh, have been impressing for a couple of seasons now? Do you think it's a last chance for Colchester to sort of keep those players and make the next step? Is that how you see it? Or do you think they're in it for the long run? Do you think that next season, if it isn't that sort of chance, you can go again with the same group of young lads and try and push for maybe even automatics places? I think, obviously, financially, as you saw, we had to well release four players from next summer, like, uh, from this summer. Although they can play, we won't be able to tie them down to a new contract. So I could maybe see a, uh, a few let go this summer just to try and boost us financially. But we've got players like uh, Kwame Poku, who's signed last season from Worthing, and he's been great this season so far. And players like Senior, who's been kind of a more bench player this season, but he's, he's come on, he's been an impact sub sometimes. So I think next season there'll be a few younger players that do move on, but I think the more that come through uh, and they consistently come through, hopefully will be okay. Harry, players that you mentioned there, are they are they going to be involved in the playoffs? The ones that are out of contract? New, uh, Frank Nublay, Luke Prosser and Ryan Jackson are all available, but uh, Brandon Comley can't play because I think I think we could only afford to keep on three of them. So I'm guessing they're the three we kind of picked to play. Okay, crikey, that's a terrible situation, isn't it? Yeah. So this is a question for both of you. Who do you see? Uh, Stuart, we'll start with you. Who do you see as the danger men for for a uh, say that the normal fan who's who's been starved of three months of football that is is tuning in tomorrow to get their fix for the first time in, in three months. Who do you see as being the key man to watch out for in Exeter's ranks? Oh, it would have to be Randall Williams. I mean, he's had an absolutely fantastic season this year and is widely regarded as one of the best players in League Two. Uh, I think he's only second to Kevin De Bruyne in terms of assists in the top four divisions. Oh, that is a stat. Yeah, he's he's got 14... Or, I'm not sure what the number is now. I've forgotten it. I think it's 14 or 15 that he's got this season. But... um. He's been absolutely absolutely outstanding for Exeter this year, so he's certainly one to keep an eye on. Um, you mentioned earlier about the, the Colchester, you know, or Colchester having a good group of young players. That's very much the case with Exeter as well. Um, Archie Collins in the centre midfield is a very good young player. Uh, Lewis Warren in goal is a top, top young goalkeeper coming through. And, of course, we've got a lad called Brendan Dickinson, who I'm sure Harry will remember from uh, his days at Colchester. He was actually Colchester's Player of the Year a few years ago, and he's... Uh, He's settled in quite nicely at Exeter as well. So, yeah, there's a few players to look out for. And Ryan Bowman, big target man up front. He's always capable of getting a goal or two. And Harry, what about you? Who who do you see as being the key to unlock Exeter's door? Probably uh, Callum Harriet, to be honest. He was, he's a championship player, but he's had to drop down because of injuries. But when he's on his game, he probably is one of the best players in the league, if not the best. So if he's on top form tomorrow, he can cause damage to Exeter's defence. 
there's there's a lot of emphasis usually placed on the second leg. The first leg is all about being in the tie by the by the time that the second leg comes around. And, and it, it's interesting to see Exeter's home record. They've only lost one game at St James's Park all season. They've kept the most clean sheets in the league with nine of them coming at home. Stuart, do you think that home advantage is going to prove key for Exeter in this tie or given the nature of the game being played in front of no fans, do you think there can't be too much read into it? Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Again, I think it's a bit of an unknown, really, because we just do not know. Um, I don't know if you guys have been watching the Bundesliga, but the results in the Bundesliga, it's been quite interesting to see how many away teams have actually got results from going away from home. Whereas, you know, obviously playing at home has always been seen as such a big advantage. So I think that, you know, it's just a big unknown. No one really knows. We'll just have to wait and see. But I know in previous years, Exeter have had Carlisle and Lincoln at home in the second leg of a playoff. And the home crowd has had such an effect on the game. And it does really, really help. And it's an occasion to look forward to as well for supporters when you're at home in the second leg. You know, you kind of know what you've got to do to get to Wembley. And it's just a real shame, really, that there's going to be no supporters there to watch the game. Just a final one before we let you both go. The um, the two games between the, the sides earlier in the season both ended up in draws. So it's a really tough one to predict, but we're going to ask you to do it. Stuart, I'll start with you. Over two legs, how do you see this one going? I can see it going all the way and I think it will it won't be decided until um late either late in the second leg at St James's Park or even going to extra time and dare I say it, even penalties. I think the two teams are really really good teams in League Two, very, very similar in so many ways. I think there's so little to separate them that it really could literally be decided by the toss of a coin. And uh, and you, Harry? Maybe see us sneaking a two-one win at home, and then as Stuart said, maybe going all the way with Exeter winning uh, in the second leg. But yeah, I can see it going to extra time. But I reckon we'll sneak a draw at St James's Park and then go to the final. Oof, it's going to be so nervy for all those fans sat at home. Well, Stuart and Harry, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure to speak to you both, and I wish you both, if that's even possible, the best of luck in the playoffs. Thank you. No problem. Thanks, guys. Next up. We will be talking about Cheltenham versus Northampton. Thank you so much to both Charles and Mark for joining us. First off, Mark, how do you expect this one to go? Well, it's going to be a very, very tight game. I mean, I think with all four semi-finalists, there's a cigarette paper between them. I think it's going to be four very evenly contested semi-final games. Difficult to work out how it goes. I think any previous form from the season goes out the window. For example, Cheltenham drew at Northampton, beat Northampton at home. But I just think it all goes out the window and it's a, it's even more of a lottery than the playoffs are normally. And a fantastic season so far, Mark, um, in terms of Cheltenham. Uh, Michael Duff, um, a new manager on the scene, has been working wonders. How, how much how much praise do you have for him? How much has he been the sort of catalyst behind this rise? Absolutely unbelievable, really. I mean, you ask any Cheltenham fan before the start of the season and they... You know, where do you want to finish? Where do you think Cheltenham will finish this season? And I think they'd have said all around halfway because 16th last year and any sort of improvement would have would have been okay. And it's just been beyond any Cheltenham fans' wildest expectations what Michael's done. Absolutely outstanding season. And, uh, you know, he's done just a fantastic job since he took over. He took over. The club was on its knees when he took over, really struggling, looking like they were going to go back to the National League again. But he's turned it around and it's been incredible. What what exactly has he changed? What what is it that's changed in such a short space of time? I mean, you were talking about the club being on its knees. Um, 
it, it did look like they were only going one way and he's turned it all around so impressively. Yeah, I mean, there was a game, well, for a start, he came in and he didn't win any of his first nine games. He had a, he had a very big squad when he came in. There was sort of 26, 27 players and he had a, and he had a sort of a, a look through that squad and pruned it a little bit, you know, moved some on, uh, told some, sorry guys, you're not really getting any football here. You may as well, you know, think about looking elsewhere. And then uh, we played against Arsenal in the in the Checker Trade Trophy, Arsenal under twenty ones, and he played a three five two system that night, and we won the game six two. And from then on, this three five two system has been used. We went to Notts County, won three nil there. That was his first league win, and from then on, it's almost been completely on an upward curve. And that change of the system really was the catalyst for it. And he's changed the player's mentality as well. He's very hot on the on the sports science side, on the on the sort of mentality of the players, and he's worked really hard on that. And uh, he really has done a fantastic job. And some of the you know the signings he made in the summer, brilliant. The the loan signings have all been good, and uh, it would be fantastic really if he could finish it off to, and and take the team into League One. It really would be an incredible achievement. And, and, and Charles, just to bring you into it um, a little bit, we, we've just been speaking about Michael Duff, a very young up-and-coming manager. Northampton have come under the radar a little bit, I think it's fair to say, with a with a more experienced manager. How much how much of an advantage is this going to be, do you think, for Northampton to have somebody going into these playoffs who's been there, he's done it, he knows this kind of thing? Uh, it's, it's not. <laughs> Keith Curl's never won promotion. He's been in the playoffs twice, I think, yeah. So he actually was Mansfield Town Manager in his first managerial job. Uh, we're going back to 2003-2004. Mansfield beat Northampton in the playoffs over two legs. Uh, we won't talk about it because we were cheated in the second leg, but hey-ho. Um, he couldn't finish the job. I think it was Huddersfield that they lost out to. I remember Liam Lawrence trying a Rabona. Uh, from the penalty spot that just was saved easily, which was hilarious. Uh, but anyway, um, he's also been in the playoffs with, with Carlisle more recently. And yeah, he, there's no experience there for him, really. The only experience he's got is that he's lost both times. Um, we, we joke that this is going to be the most Keith Curl way of getting promoted. Um, to to sneak into the playoffs because that's what we've done essentially. We've 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 been in free fall. We you know our our form, um, so to speak. Last five games, uh, one two lost three, and it was uh, you know one of those games was actually away at Cheltenham. So we're not by any means the form side, but that's the way it is, I suppose. Do you think that that could possibly play into your advantage, though? Because as you say, we were talking off air and you were saying, well, that, that essentially there is no form because teams haven't played in three months. Northampton, as you say, they were on the slide. They've now got a playoff place where it might have been likely that they were going to slip out. It's, it's, like, it's sort of like a second chance, really, isn't it? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, this is, this is like a mini tournament. It's June. Uh, OK, the weather's appalling. But, I mean, it's World Cup time, isn't it? And that's what we're getting here with the playoffs, is a mini-tournament. No side has actually played competitively for three months, um, which is exactly the same as what you'd get in the build-up to a World Cup. You'd have a couple of friendly fixtures, but that'd be it. You know, this is a the reset button has been hit, and all our squad are back fit now. Um, the couple of injuries that we had, they're all sorted. So some of the players like Alan McCormack, for instance, who is part of the backbone of our side 
he's not been available, I don't think, in 2020. Um, he will be a massive boost to the whole squad and, and to the fan base. And Mark, uh, just a quick one. As, as Charles was saying just there, it, it seems that they, they've been not, not lucky as such, Charles. I won't say it's luck, but uh, you, you described it as sneaking into the playoffs. On the other hand, Mark, Cheltenham were on the best form in the league. Do you think that had the season have played on, they, they may have chased the uh, the top three? Do you think it was automatic promotion on the cards? How, how did you see it playing out? Definitely think we had a chance. I mean, we still had to go to Swindon. We still had Exeter to play at home. And, you know, locally, we still had a bun fight up the road at uh, Forest Green to play. So there were still some some tricky-ish games in there. Um, but some of the other games we had, like we started to go to Macclesfield and Stevenage. We had to travel to both of those. We had Cambridge at home. We had Newport at home. There was a hope that we could have got somewhere near the top three. I'm not sure, to be honest. I mean, Plymouth were in decent form uh, going into the end of the season. And I think Swindon and Crewe would have had enough to have to have stayed in there. So I think it would have been a, a bit of an ask to get into that top three. But I think it was possible. And uh, there are a lot of fans who, who were thinking it could happen. And, but as I said, I don't think form will have any part of it. As as Charles said there, it is a total restart. It's a, it's a reset. We've got some players coming back to fitness. Luke Varney was out injured at the end of the sort of proper season. Um, and he's fit again. And Ben Tozer, who has been outstanding as our captain, former Northampton player, of course, played against us in the playoffs the last time we, we played Northampton in the playoffs, 2012-13, in the semi-final, when we lost 1-0 both legs. He played in that for Northampton. He's been absolutely outstanding at the heart of our defence this year. And he got a really bad injury at Colchester, in the penultimate game before lockdown and was actually ruled out for the whole season. But now he's back and he'll be fit and he'll be playing tomorrow night. You, you touched on a couple of players there that will be key for you. Is there any other players that uh, you, you'd, you'd recommend we look out for in terms of uh, Cheltenham? Um, not just ones coming back from injury, but ones that have been shining through the season. Yeah, I mean, I, said, I talk about um, you know that, that whole back five. I mean, it's the best defence in the Football League. 27 goals conceded in 36 uh, games you look at that back five you've got um, you've got uh, Tozer as I say he is the leader of it you've got um, also in there Charlie Raglan he's, he's gone under the radar but he's been outstanding as uh, in that back five this season he's another one who you know as I say he's gone under the radar a bit Ryan Broom in midfield leading scorer eight goals been attracting a bit of interest in the last couple of seasons from Clubs higher up. He's another one. Jake Doyle Hayes on loan from Aston Villa. Tough little midfield player. And uh, the signing of Alfie May in January made a big difference as well, coming in from Doncaster. Six goals in 12 games. So there's what Cheltenham are. They are a team. You know, there's no one real outstanding player who you'd say, stop him, you stop Cheltenham. I think if you look around the team, there's a number of players who can make a difference. And how about for Northampton, Charles? Who would you pinpoint or select to be be the key man there? Well, I, I talked about Alan McCormack before. Uh, I mean, essentially, we've got a we've got a spine in our team. Um, it's been worked out from, from essentially back to front. So Charlie Good, our captain. Um, I mean, Cheltenham fans won't need need reminding, seeing as I think he got, um, uh, is his name Adai 
Mark sent off. Alex Adai sent off. <laughs> yeah, Alex Adai. Yeah, Alex Adai sent off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, basically, uh, Adai went in with a, a fair but robust challenge uh, on the goal line right at the end towards the match. Charlie Good got up, so did Adai, and the height difference between the two meant that Charlie Good was quite happy to give Adai a little pat on the head, which Adai did not appreciate, and shoved him, which Charlie Good went down like he'd been shot, and therefore the red card came out. It was, sorry Mark, from my point of view, it was hilarious. Um, <laughs> it was, it was, you know, uh, I'm afraid Alex got to, Alex got done there, hook, line and sinker by... Uh, by a bit of um, a bit of professional nous, shall we say, from Mr. Good. At least he's not alone. Kevin Van Veen got exactly the same happen to him when Scunthorpe came. So don't worry, he's not on his own. But you've got Charlie Good. I mean, he's our captain. He's our leader, and he really does lead from the back. Um, Alan McCormack in midfield, um, as I've already mentioned, he's too good for, for League Two, really. The only issue is, and the reason why he's in League Two, is because he's getting on a bit he's towards the twilight end of his career and he gets injured a fair bit as well unfortunately um then we've got Nicky Adams I mean the assist king um has been for about the last four years um he's up there across the whole of English football not just in league two so he's all, always a danger doesn't matter who you play against when we play Derby in the FA Cup he was still getting crosses in left right and center so uh, you've got then, and then up front, you've got Callum Morton, uh, who is a loanee on loan from West Brom. He scored, uh, I think I'm right in saying it was three and four um, before we actually broke for, for lockdown. Um, he's a great player, absolutely great player. He's a good player, him, um, Charles. Sorry, he was, he was. He was very impressive in the game at Cheltenham. Very impressive in the game at Cheltenham. I mean, he, for such a young lad, he has just got a really mature head on him. And I mean, he's, he's a fantastic footballer. He will be one to watch in the future and he'll be playing in the championship for definite at some point in his future. Um, and then also up front, um, my favourite player, Vidane Oliver. He's a... Uh, really turned things around in in terms of my viewpoint of him from when we signed him. So he was released by Morecambe at the end of last season and we picked him up on a free transfer and, and, and everyone, including me, went, why on earth have we signed him? Look at his goal record. He doesn't score. He doesn't do anything. What What's he come for? He's had the best goal scoring season of his career with us. He is fantastic. And players, defenders, just get muscled out of the way by him. He is just a joy to see on on the football field and in our team. So th- those are the those are the key danger men I see. However, having said that, um, there's a lot of players that I've left out, which probably any other Cobblers fan would have mentioned. And uh, looking looking at the record of the two sides briefly yesterday, obviously, Mark, you mentioned about Cheltenham having the best defensive record in the football league, twenty seven goals conceded. It's, it's an amazing record and. Maybe as an outsider looking in, I was looking at this game thinking, you know, this will be a a really tight affair. But actually, Cheltenham, fifth highest scorers in League Two with 52 goals. Northampton, the fourth highest scorers in League Two with 54. Only the top three, who were, of course, promoted, have actually scored more. So can you see there being goals in it, actually? I'm not sure. I mean, you know, Northampton Northampton seem, they're they're quite a physical team from what... uh, you know, I suppose, uh, Michael Duff in his interviews, he said that he's tried to, you know, he knows that it's going to be a strong physical test and 
that uh, Charles mentioned, Vidane Oliver there. I mean, there's also Andy Williams. He'll be in the squad, I'm guessing. I don't know. Is is Harry Smith there? Yeah. Fit yeah. and still around as well, yeah. you know? So that's three. They've got three massive people who can play up front you know if they you know if they, if they want to go that way so you know Cheltenham know what's coming they know it's going to be a strong physical game um Cheltenham won't they won't change they'll play the 3-5-2 you'll have Sean Long probably on the right hand side Chris Hussey on the left hand side he's a bit of an assist king as well uh Chris Hussey his left foot deliveries are are, are excellent so him and Nicky Adams will sort of be vying for the for that for that title but as I said I think it's really evenly matched and I think I think they could be, you know, maybe a goal in it over the over the two legs. Really, I think it could go right down to that to that narrow uh, margin. And that that leads me on very nicely for my um, next and final question. We asked the other guys on the last pod, so um, it's only fair. Um, Mark, you first. How do you see this? Going, what's your prediction? I think the I think the game, the six fields game. I think it'll be a draw. I think it'll be a draw. I think it'll be, I'll say a one-one at six fields on the, on Thursday. And um, I don't know if you want a prediction for the home leg. I think Cheltenham will edge that by one goal, maybe two-one, one-nil, something like that. So, so uh, just 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 to be clear, you think Cheltenham are going to Wembley? Correct. <laughs> I'm bound to say that, <laughs> aren't I? <laughs> You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised if I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. And um, and Charles, what about yourself? Uh, well, Mark's wrong, obviously. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, well, uh, I I think, and and because I'm one of those fans that I th- I, I like to think I'm I'm quite realistic, and I I watch a lot of football other than just uh, Northampton. Um, I think the home leg is going to be, I'll be honest, I think it's going to be shower. I think it's going to be so boring. I've, you know, watched that Aston Villa Sheffield United match. I mean, it was dreadful. That's two hours of my life that I will never get back. (laughs) And I think that's exactly what's going to happen in the home, in in our home leg. In the first leg, it's going to be the most, yeah, we've built it up in our heads. (laughs) We've not watched our team play for months. This is going to be brilliant. Okay, we're not going to be there, but both teams, we've got cardboard cutouts of our fans in the crowds. Um, We've gone and got celebrities involved. We've got Shaquille O'Neal sat in a seat at Sixfields. I mean, who who, who have Cheltenham got, Mark? You've got some like little, I don't know, bell ringer from the centre of town or something. (laughs) I mean, we're going to have more than a thousand of those in our ground and... uh... You know, I think we've got, I think we've even got, I think somebody's even paid. I was, I was reading a piece in the, uh, in the Guardian talking about all these um, cardboard cutouts, and uh, uh, it said in there that Cheltenham have actually got one of Dale Vince, the owner of Forest Green, photoshopped onto a Cheltenham shirt, which is going to be quite funny. Don't know whether he's eating, eating a vegan <laughs> burger or anything like that, but uh, apparently he's, uh, he's going to be involved, and I think there'll be. There'll be the odd Dominic Cummings and Donald Trump appearing, I'm sure, at both grounds. But uh, no, brilliant. Cheltenham have raised thirty grand, you know, from from doing that, which is pretty pretty incredible. And some of that's going to a charity called the Holly Gazard Trust, uh, which uh, looks after domestic violence. Ten percent of it is going to them. So a brilliant effort by by Cheltenham and their fans. And well, you know, it, it's good because it's a way that I think Northampton and Cheltenham they both raise money from it so it's a it's a really really good idea and it will be interesting to see who pops up in the crowds at the various games 
I mean, at the end of the day, this is going to be the one thing I, I requested personally that I do not get to sit behind Shaq because otherwise I won't get to see anything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, no, you're right, Mark. It's, it's a great thing. And the fact that you've raised so much money for not just the club, but obviously the charity as well is absolutely brilliant. Having, having said that, you're still going to get tonked 5-0. <laughs> um, so, I mean, <laughs> it's one of those. No, but in, in all seriousness, I think it's going to probably be a really drab 0-0 affair for the first leg. Um, and then and then the second leg, we're just going to re-sign Luke Guttridge. I hope you don't mind, Mark. And then he's going to hit a 35-yard screamer to send us to Wembley. Um, but but yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm optimistically cautious. Um, I do think, like Mark says, I think it's going to be a tight game, uh, both, both legs. But I, I think that over, overall, I think we're going to win it. But then that's because we're going to get promoted and win the whole thing. Well, despite Charles's best efforts, we are still looking forward to the League Two playoffs today. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> time has beaten us here. Thank you to Stuart, Harry, Mark and Charles for joining us today. And I wish you all the best of luck in the playoffs. By the sounds of it, Northampton are going to need it. And um, thanks as ever to you for listening at home. And we will see you next week.